Hello, everyone, and welcome back to No Beer Left Behind. Tis I, Brian, here in North Texas. Thoth being a longest time away, I am happy to be back recording with my good buddy down in Austin, Mr. Frank. Frank, how are you? Well, I didn't know it was Renaissance. Yeah, it's the Ren Fair Uh, Week. Ren Fair Week here at uh, No Beer Left Behind. Uh, No, doing well, Brian. It's, uh, you know... <clears throat> actually had a great memorial day week very busy memorial day weekend but good memorial day weekend hmm. um yeah not nothing too crazy how about you um it was good it was relaxing i had the day off on memorial day so got to enjoy a three-day weekend and uh yeah it's been everything's been coming up brian here in the last couple of weeks that's why <laughs> one of the one of the reasons sorry i just coughed right in the microphone like a goddamn amateur I'm very sorry uh but it's one of the one of the things that's uh, kept us from recording um was one of my lucky adventures that i got to go on a couple weeks ago i got to go up yeah to, to can we disclose it or yeah yeah, yeah. well that's yeah it's uh, gonna lead me into what i'm drinking tonight so i got okay. to uh travel up to the buffalo trace distillery in old frankfurt kentuck that's what I do now. Is I don't I don't say. Well, the let's key. just make sure just, people understand. That's outside of Lexington. Um, it's the goddamn capital of Kentucky. Okay, Frankfurt is, and you <laughs> wouldn't know it. Right now, not a lot of people know where Frankfurt is. Uh huh. Yeah. If you're if you're near Lexington, it's well, right near there. <laughs> it's it's about thirty minutes outside of Louisville. I think that yeah. may be. Yeah, it's about ten minutes outside of Lexington. Louisville, Louisville. I spent more time at the Louisville airport than I did at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, and I wish I were fucking kidding, but. I'm very honest. Uh, got to go on a big ass tour, uh, behind the scenes, a little BTS tour of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Pretty cool stuff. Um, uh, I remembered that I have a paralyzing fear of heights. Um, as we were standing atop the like 40 foot tall fermenters that they have there at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, um, standing on a completely transparent like steel uh, grid catwalk. That uh, you just look down and see nothing. Uh, so that was terrifying. But you know what? After that, uh, I had a good time. I got to go to the gift shop. And if you don't know, at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, you can pay for uh, a tour every day. Uh, like they open at 9 o'clock. And there's usually a line of about 100 to 250 people every day waiting to go on a tour. With the tour at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, you get to go to the gift shop and have the chance to purchase some pretty damn good bourbons. Um, they always have they always have uh, Sazerac Rye whiskey. Um, they always have uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon, and then one special release every day. And a special release uh, a couple weeks ago was E. H. Taylor. It's pretty cool, pretty rare whiskey. I don't know if you ever had it, but it's pretty tasty. Um, I don't know what that is. No. It's it's uh it's pretty pretty rare, pretty rare whiskey. 
when I okay, win. Okay, that means nothing. Well, What's special about it? God damn it, Brian. Oh, it's so all, all of Buffalo <laughs> oh, Trace. Oh, yeah, this is so rare, dude. Moving on. Well, it what? is. It's not as rare as what I had the opportunity to purchase. Okay. Uh, which Fair was... enough. Well, let's first, you know, let's let's educate the fellas on okay. the folks on what makes this specific one rare. Then we can move on to the other yeah, rare. I feel like you're really, but, really yeah, being held up on the just... golden plates. No, uh, so it. it's what makes it's oh, what makes it fucking classic. Just leave them hanging like yeah. that. Oh yeah, you go Google that bit. Google Google E. H. <laughs> Taylor. Back. Ever heard of it? Anyway, moving on. No, uh, all the whiskey at Buffalo Trace. Uh, if you, for the uneducated folk. Uh, all the whiskey there is, I mean, it's world class in the quality yes. that they, they produce. Make Pappy, right? That, yeah, they're the same people who make Pappy. Now, it's weird is pa- Eagle Rare. They make Pappy, Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, Sazerac Rye, um, Benchmark, yeah. um, Stat George. Most common T's. that you're going to know though, Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, Pappy. Pappy. Those are like the three Weller. That most people have heard of. They also Weller make Weller. Well. Weller less so. Weller, you kind of have to know bourbon a little bit, but uh, Weller, yeah, it's it's a it's a the the original weeded bourbon is what they call it, and it is fucking amazing. Anyway, all that aside, uh, E. H. Taylor is um, named after one of the master distillers at Buffalo, one of the early master distillers at the Buffalo Trace Distillery before it was called Buffalo Trace. Anyway, um. It is a very uh, small batch, like hand selected, hand blended, um, usually higher proof bourbon um, that they make. Uh, you're muted, or at least I can't. I can't hear your mouth moving. All right, that's all not Weller is the one that they call the poor man's pappy, right? Yeah, so I can get into that. Why they call it that? Um, there's three three grain bills that Buffalo Trace uses. Uh, use grain bill one, two, and three. Grain bill one is a high rye bourbon. Uh, and that is what's used in Buffalo Trace, uh, Eagle Rare, and what I'm talking about, what I'm drinking tonight. Um, number two is the weeded bourbon. Uh, that's Weller. Um, that's also the base for Pappy. Um, it uses what they call like a red, red wheat, red winter wheat. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what makes it the Weller line. And that's what a majority of Pappy Van Winkle is. The Van Winkles, that whole thing is a weird, it's a weird deal. Uh, they just take specific barrels that are stored in different. Well, so I was going to ask, I was going to ask a quick question on that. Yeah. Just to confirm some knowledge that I was told. Okay. And I don't know if it's true, but it sounded like somewhat true, but also sound like somewhat bullshit. Can't wait. Um, are there really specific spots in the Buffalo Trace aging house that gets a specific amount of. I don't know if it's sunlight or whatever, but so, there's specific characteristics in those barrels, and that's all the barrels that they choose for Pappy. Not necessarily, but yes. Uh, so all rickhouses, okay. all rickhouses, not just this isn't just uh, to Buffalo Trace. This is every every rickhouse, every storage house that uh, that bourbon maker keeps. Um, they keep it moderately climate controlled. So in other words, they keep, they run steam through the basement up through the rickhouse during the winter time. Anytime it drops below 40 degrees, they keep it above that. So that the whiskey doesn't go dormant in the bot in the barrels. Um, but the barrels typically in the center of the rickhouses on the lower floors of the rickhouses will age longer because they won't go through many heat cycles. They'll keep it a pretty steady temperature and that mellow flavor, um, and long aging time is typically what they look for when they're blending Pappy. Okay. Now when they blend Pappy, so that wasn't, that wasn't bullshit. Okay. It, it, well, yeah, it was, it's, it's legit, but it's not like they only pick these barrels. 
the the cool part about Pappy is they're they're literally blended and approved by the Van Winkle family. Now the master blenders uh, at Buffalo Trace, one of which I get to meet next week. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, they actually go in and basically build a blend, and the Van Winkle family gives it the thumbs up every year when they go to bottle it. Okay. Um, but in that and blend, I'd assume the original Van Winkles who certified this are all passed. Uh, the OG OGs, yes. And it basically was just a bunch of is a rich asshole who decided he wanted his own bourbon, and that's how it all started. And the family just kind of kept it going. Uh, and the Van Winkles now are not rich assholes so much as they're just rich. Um, but yeah, they they keep it going and they keep the same. Thanks for the yeah, yeah. Not assholes, still rich. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Brian. You're really crushing it on the knowledge tonight. Brian's knowledge here today really is great. <laughs> on point. Anyway, uh, there's a third mash bill to take it back real quick. There's a third mash bill that is a blend of both rye and wheat, and uh, all of them have a boatload of corn. Obviously, over 51 percent corn, so that they can. Uh, meet the meet the standards for bourbon. Anyway, uh, what's okay. cool is those three mash bills are found in all all walks of of Buffalo Trace uh, whiskey, um, and that runs from Benchmark, which is like their bottom entry level whiskey, which you can find really good examples of, like single barrel Benchmark whiskey for twenty one dollars a bottle. Um, it's the same whiskey that it, or the same mash bill that is in Buffalo Trace bourbon. And I got to be honest, as somebody who's consumed a lot of those whiskeys lately, uh, Benchmark single, single Barrel and Benchmark Bottled and Bond are fucking amazing and well worth every penny. But what I'm drinking tonight, I had the opportunity to purchase uh, while I was up there. Um, Frank, how familiar how familiar are you with this uh, little character? Yeah, that is the... Um, I remember... So they make, <laughs> they release a special edition of this whiskey every year for the Kentucky Derby. So they, they do put a new silver horse on it. And there's people who collect these silver horses. And I, for the life of me right now, cannot, is it Blanton's? It's Blanton's. Yeah. So, and it's not just uh so they used to do it only for the Kentucky Derby. Now they do uh, releases all year round. However, Blanton's is, uh, it's uh, named after, um, one of the, I think the second to last the um, master distiller at Buffalo Trace. Um, he came up with the idea in the '80s when no one was buying whiskey. Everybody's buying light, lightly colored shit in the liquor world. He was like, "Fuck it, I am taking a single barrel of my finest whiskey and I'm bottling that, and that's what we're gonna sell." So he was credited as being the first uh, single barrel whiskey or single barrel bourbon, and. Uh, yeah, that's what they continue to do. So this bottle that I'm drinking tonight um, was dumped on April 21st of this year. <laughs> so fresh, fresh off the barrels. Oh, you got a full bottle too. Nice. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a big boy. Like, and that's the other thing; these things are all hand bottled. Um, they're in a special room in the in the Buffalo Trace Distillery. But what's cool is it also shows what Rickhouse it was stored in. This barrel was stored in, so oh, it's nice. stored in Rickhouse H on rick number 39 and barrel number 1201 uh which is maybe blanton's is the one that i've heard is the poor man's pappy 
No, Blanton's is not no. poor man's anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Weller is the poor man's pappy. Okay. Um, and it's now. I mean, it used to be Weller used to be seventeen dollars a bottle. Um, I bought a yeah, bottle the other night good. for thirty two dollars at the liquor store by my house. And well, Weller also has three different levels, right? Oh, they have. I have more than three now, but the three main ones are Special Reserve, which is Green Label. They have uh, Antique One Hundred Seven, which is like a maroon label. And they have yeah. a twelve year, which is kind of a dark, dark, dark green, almost black label. They also those have are the three that I know. Those are the three big ones. They have call your per- or create your perfect bourbon or craft your perfect bourbon. They also have barrel proof, and they have single barrel of Weller as well. But those are really hard to find. Anyway, what I wanted to get into one is how goddamn good this whiskey is. Yeah. Um. Two, how bullshit it is. Uh. With that, I had to go to Kentucky to find this whiskey. Um, I can find it. They have it at the liquor store by my house. Do you want to take a it's guess? Always sold out. Nope. Oh, it's always on the back on the back uh back shelf. Oh, the artificial markup is too high. Yep. Do you want to take a guess what this bottle would cost me at my local liquor store? Well, I'm guessing you probably paid a Buffalo Trace fifty five, sixty five for it. Sixty four dollars. Very good. Yeah. Um. I've heard of those being upwards of 120, but I'm guessing your local liquor store might be 115, 110. Uh, mine was 299 last time I what? checked. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's wow. The Weller uh, Antique 107, which my good buddy Jay uh, got me a bottle of a few years ago. Um, 107 Weller at this liquor store is 199. The 12 so, so- year is 499. And the Call Your Perfect Bourbon, the the single like annual release that they do was six ninety nine. Now right next to I that mean, is Pappy, and that's stupid. It's like twelve ninety nine. Yeah, but so here's here's the question, right? As a, as a rep. Okay, sorry for the technical uh, difficulties. We're back recording. Brian's internet is under investigation. Anyway, okay. By the SEC. Yes. Uh, they not let not me be. not not the Securities and Exchange Commission, the Southeastern Conference. Yes. Uh, They're afraid it's giving uh, an unfair uh, advantage to Oklahoma University. To Alabama. Oh, well, they don't care about that. Anyway, okay. So what were you asking, Frank? No, what I was saying is as a rep for Buffalo Trace and these various distilleries, (laughs) when you see um, individual store or chain of stores doing this, in my opinion – it should be grounds for a complete termination of that distribution right. You you don't have issues distributing your bourbon. You don't have issues having stores buying it. Terrible end user experience, right? Going around having to go find places for reasonable retail prices. Um, so here's, all around just makes the brand look bad. So here's what I have learned. Um, a couple things. One. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about one of them on, on mic. You muted yourself, I think. Sorry. I'm going to have to take another pause. Okay. Mila's losing it. Give me just a second. No worries. Okay. We're back. Uh, no. Uh, so one of the things that I learned is that a lot of the small mom and pop, uh, liquor stores who price basically price themselves out of a lot of business, uh, don't, don't care that they're pricing themselves out of a lot of business. Um, and that's not as a, like a fuck you to the brand or fuck you to the retailer, to the the customer. I mean, it is, but that's not the way they, they handle it. 
they'll put twelve ninety nine up there on the price tag for Pappy to make sure that the it's kind of like the look you lose don't come by and and just buy it just to buy it. They want yeah. serious people to come in and pick it up. Uh, and with that said, it's not just the serious bourbon drinker; it's the serious um, loyal customer to that shop. Yeah, and but are they, never, are they are they actually going to be paying twelve ninety nine? No, and that's what I was getting at. That's what one of the okay. things I've learned. Uh, a lot of places won't do that. Now they will, like for Blanton's. You know, it's probably not uncommon to see it for one hundred and twenty bucks. Like to to go out the door with it for 120 bucks, but to be honest, it's so rare. Like the morning that I was there, there was, I think 250 people waiting in line. Uh, when we when we rolled up and we jumped the line, I'm not gonna not gonna say that I didn't get fucking death stares uh, from people who were yeah. been waiting there, but um, a lot of people were very concerned that they wouldn't be able to buy their one bottle that they're allocated. Or, you know, the one bottle that, that they could purchase that day. Um, and that's at the distillery. So, I mean, it's this this shit is rare. You know, it's not like they, yeah, they mass I, produce it's not, it. It's, I, I, don't, I don't really... I mean, okay, as a person who collects shoes... Yeah. I understand the rarity aspect of it. Yeah, and like... I think... And, like the, and what I was getting at is from a, a pricing standpoint of like, yeah. yeah, you can pay $65 there at the distillery... Um, but like, you know, just, just like you would pay say $15 for a four pack of 16 ounce cans at a brewery. And then you go across the street and you pay $20 at, you know, HEB for the same product. Like there's the, the same, the same thing works there. And I think it's just on a larger, I, I, I understand that. I guess I'm not comparing it to the distillery price. Like we all know Blanton's retail should be probably around 80 bucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I think when it's when when the price gouging becomes so obvious as to be extortion, there is a responsibility on the distributor to say I'm not selling it to you. Well, and that's that's um, that's where it goes to like okay, what's what's interesting about um liquor distribution is that you can sell break break case sales. So you don't have to sell an entire case of Pappy. You can sell a single bottle of Pappy or a single bottle of like Weller even. And that's where it gets into like, okay, well, you know, last year you had this. uh, Then it goes off of people lie, numbers don't, which I know you can appreciate this, but inventory management boils down to, well, let's see how many sold last time. You still have, you know, four bottles on the shelf and I sold you six bottles last year. You're getting nothing because you don't, you're not selling it. You're not moving it. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. So, I mean, in in some aspects, yeah, uh, it, it kind of those people will sort themselves out of the allocation allotment, you know, the allotments that you're allocated. But yeah, you're gonna find it, well, the the biggest thing that I found is the the, pri- the sticker shock is there to keep the the the, yeah, the, the non serious people away. Yeah, I get that. I was trying to think, what do they call them in in uh, car shopping? K- tire kickers. Tire kickers. Yeah, they're trying to keep those guys away and just be like, what? And it, then it honestly it creates kind of an artificial, you know, aura around that brand too. Of like, you fuck, it's got twelve ninety nine. Who's buying that? And then you see a friend with it in their liquor cabinet, and you're like, holy shit, this guy is either yeah. very serious about bourbon or he's a fucking baller. Like Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. So I get, I get keeping the lookers away. I get that. 
I think if you're actually a person out there or a liquor store out there not moving the product <clears throat> and you're still allocating stuff as the distributor, you're doing a disservice. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and like I said, that goes that goes for any any product, honestly. Any allocated product or any low volume or low quantity product. Am I trying yeah. to say it? Low, yeah. It, you're... It, it sitting on the shelf is not doing the brand any favors and it's not doing you any favors that you've collected it. Now bourbon, you know, whiskey in general is a little different than beer in that doesn't have a best by date. You know, it's, it'll be as long as it's unopened, it'll be just as good 10 years from now as it is, you know, fresh out yeah. the barrel. Um, but it's still not a good look if you've got a ton of dust on a bottle that's been sitting there for, two years. Yeah, fair enough. Unmoved. Fair enough. Well, in any case, if you're the consumer, don't buy it. Just don't reward that yeah. activity. And um, if you uh, really want to try it as a consumer and you can't afford it because some of this shit is cost prohibitive. It just is. Like if you're new yeah. to bourbon, you shouldn't be dropping $150 on a bottle. You, you just don't, don't do it because it'll taste like burning for the most part. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but go try, go try benchmark. Or if you see Buffalo trace, pick up a bottle of that or I'm fuck knob Creek is goddamn delicious. And they have a new well, 12. So, out. so here's what I'll also say is if, if you find yourself priced out of bourbon, go, go try rum. Yeah. I'm not saying that out of like hatred for bourbon. I quite enjoy bourbon, but, um, I, I don't know. Very few liquors, in my mind can ever reach the expectations that paying $1,200 a bottle. Will yeah. I don't think set. that's ever the case. I mean, I think the most expensive bottle of whiskey that I purchased is Macallan 12 double mm -hmm. sherry. And it was like $84 a bottle. And I still, yeah. I still have it. I mean, it's not, that is not one that I'm going through and just ripping a, a, a pour every night or four pours in a single night. Uh, I've had it for almost a year now and it's good. I'm not going to fucking say that it was worth $84. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to live up if those are the expectations that have been, you know, set. Yeah. I mean, I would rather have two bottles of Weller overpriced Weller at $32 a bottle and, uh, then the one bottle of Macallan, but it's good. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's nice to have. Uh, Frank, are you still, I see you're rocking a, um, a seasonal specific and seasonal appropriate shirt tonight as a gingerbread man is decorated on your long sleeve Christmas shirt. Oh yes. Um, are you feeling unwell? Is that what's, what's happening down there in Austin? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing laundry. So you kind of, okay. you know, you okay. go with whatever you have. <laughs> I'm glad that when you stood up, I couldn't see your lower half. Cause usually when people say they're doing laundry, they're not wearing any pants. So um, wearing shorts, no underwear though. I don't know. I mean, I could wear no shorts, and then that'd be a different thing. You could have just said, "There's no re no reason to tell us you weren't wearing underwear. No uh, reason at all." Sometimes there's a little bit of clarification needed. Not needed at all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, are you are you drinking anything special? I know you're doodling tonight like a madman right now. Um, well, I'm keeping my mind busy. Uh, no, actually, well, kind of actually. Conversation, yes, conversation isn't bourbon. engaging enough for you, Frank. I, God no, damn it! It's very engaging. Um, I am having Spiritless Seventy Four. Have you heard of it? Ever heard of it? Uh, is it? Uh, wait, is that the name brand or is that a like a spin? It's both the name, the... It's both the name brand and the product. 
Okay. Isn't there like so, a, a, a drink with champagne called like Spirit 76 or Flying 76? Uh, not sure. Okay. This is not that. Not that. All right. Go ahead. What do you <laughs> explain what you're drinking? Um, so, uh, the, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's a non alcoholic bourbon and it's very good. French 75 uh, and French 76. Okay. Okay. Well, Sorry. this is called Spiritless, and yes. the the uh, the Spiritless product, I guess, is seventy four. Okay. And it's made in Louisville, Kentucky. So Louisville. No, sorry, it's not. Oh. They're from there. It's made somewhere in Texas, actually. Um. Yeah, I'll vouch for it. It's it's good. Cool. It's very good. Um. And then I sent you yesterday. Yeah, you sent me a uh, a. A Belgian non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, which, which I I don't know how they didn't get kicked out delicious. of Belgium for making um, it. No, that's true. But then you know, on the on the on the on the back end of it, I was like, man, understanding how proud they are of their beers mm-hmm. to put Belgium like prominently on this bottle. This better be damn good, and yeah. it was. So it's called the Force Mayor, and yeah, give it. I'll give it a solid, like, I don't think any non-alcoholic beer is ever going to be a 10 out of 10. But assuming you start at the top grade of, like, a 7.5 out of 10, this is probably a good, you know, 6.8, 6.9. It's a very good non-alcoholic beer. Um, And you found it at HEB? I found it at Central Market. You can order it on Amazon. Really? Mm-hmm. Any any NA product, by the way, if you're looking for non-alcoholic stuff that yeah. you want to try, any of that stuff is available on Amazon. Mamazon. Yes, sir. Well, cool. Yeah, I saw it and uh, I was intrigued because it was from Belgium. I just assumed that that was a forgery of sorts. And then I saw it was 0.33 centiliters and I was like, oh, no, that's real. No American's going to go through and do that fucking math. So, yep. No, it very real. Very, uh, uh, how would I say delicious? It's really, really very good. I would highly suggest it um, if you're looking for some alternative. So you've uh, been you've been going uh, non-alcoholic for a while. What would you say are your top three non-alcoholic beers that you've had that you found? Um, quite frankly, the one I'm the most disappointed in not being able to find consistently is the NADIPA. Not a IPA, not a IPA. Um, Wait, from just a second. It is from Community. Oh, I didn't know that Community did a non-alcoholic beer. Cool. Community, not a IPA, is absolutely phenomenal. Community, famously known for creating Frank's favorite beer of all yeah, time, the funnel cake it beer. It me to say this. Yeah. Um, but that beer is spot on. It is not loaded in carbs, spot on beer, um, of, of craft, right? Yeah. Like I think the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever had, um, I'm not going to put the Belgian beers in there because they're not going to be easy to find for people unless you order them off Amazon and they are prohibitively like expensive. They're special beers. They're yeah. five bucks a piece. Shit. Um, but I mean, if it's if got things flavor. that you can get in grocery stores, that you're not going to be, you know, splurging on. Yeah. Those beers, not a, 
for sure is the top of the list. Um, Guinness Zero, gotta be, man, it's it's close. Those two are my favorite. Um, anything athletic is very good. Okay. I shy away. So I think with, with um, and I don't know, this probably will make sense in the science of what they do, but um, hoppy beers stand up much better to non-alcoholic, you know, presentation yeah. than do um, goldens or uh, blondes or something for with sure like, ambers. Something with away. like cereal or grainy finishes, not so much. No, and and ambers just stay the fuck away. They taste they all, literally like you're drinking molasses. I was gonna say what I found is those like uh, red ales, amber ales. I've even tried a non-alcoholic Bach, which is fucking. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But like, yeah. they all end up tasting like. Uh, have you ever had Malta? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, a, yeah. It, they all taste like that malt drink from yep, South America, from Central Mexico. America, Mexico. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it like I almost equated to mud water. That's what because mm-hmm. every there it tastes like a lot of things, but nothing at the same time. None of it's yep. good. Um, I, I, I had, would 100% agree with it. it. The Malta flavor is very strong with them, and some people like that. Yeah, that's just not what I'm looking for in a beer. So I had one that you might be interested in if you haven't seen it yet. Sure. Um, it is zero alcohol beer from Stella Artois. Okay, so I've seen that one floating around. Peroni also has one. Yes. So Peroni, um, Peroni it took the. I mean, they're made by Molson Coors, so. They're doing the zero zero approach, similar to Heineken and shit. Yeah. Um, I've not had that. I had the Peroni. I want to say it's called like Frizioni or some shit like that, or not uh, Peroni. I had the Stella, which is I want to say it's like free. I think it's called Stilsa or something. St- uh, there's a yeah, it's a fucking fancy Fritzen word. Yeah. Um, but here's what I'll say: it is I can describe it as hop water, and okay. it's really nice. It's really refreshing. Yeah. It's low calorie, low carb. Doesn't have any like very little, if any, residual sugars. Which, yeah, like Heineken Zero Zero, it's got kind of a sweetish finish, and it does. It do, and it doesn't come through in your initial sampling. I yeah. think if you drink more non-alcoholic beers, you notice it more. Yeah, and like, or if you're really looking for a crisp, dry finish, in yes, it this, does not. Happen. It doesn't happen. Um, it tastes yeah. like a, an oxidized version of Heineken, which is not great uh but the stella zero zero fucking phenomenal i had it on a day we were sitting outside waiting for some food at a food truck and it was probably it was one of the few days that it got up over 90 and it was direct sunlight no fucking shade no wind and it was like pleasant just sitting there in the direct sunlight drinking a drinking a stella and uh, not not having any alcohol in it, just fucking nice. If you see that, Frank, I would give that a shot and uh, let me know. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I'll give it a try. I, see, I saw that at H-E- uh, HEB today. I think someone picked it up and put it down, thinking you know Think it, it was, was regular Stella. <laughs> regular Stella, because they they don't differentiate enough in the labeling. I like Guinness because it's blue. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a different color um, altogether, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Stella still keeps the green bottle, white label. But the pa- the label looks different. If you see it, it's got it, like it a, does. But once if you just see it in the box, yeah, it's, it's, it is very difficult to differentiate. It it does. Well, it, it, you have to look, and you do notice it once you once you look. I'm going to say if that just grabbing it off the shelf and they put it right next yeah. to each other. I could see it. That was just also why you're not supposed to mark. You're not supposed to 
put those by by each other on the shelves, which I I hate. Walmart has been doing that with Guinness Zero Zero. And mm-hmm. I went to grab a four pack of zero zero because it's always sold out at my Walmart. So oh, yeah. to grab a four pack, I was like, hell yeah. And I looked and it was the fucking Guinness coffee. I was like, son of a bitch. First off, <laughs> it's not even regular Guinness, which if it was regular Guinness and it got to my cart, I'd have been like, oh, twist my arm. Look, <laughs> look what <laughs> the look fates what the did. Dragged, yeah. Like, <laughs> whoa. I guess God wanted me to have four pack today. But it was the coffee. And I was like, I mean, it's not bad, but it's definitely not what I was looking for. So I was like, God damn it. So I had to put it back. Uh, yeah. But, I'll, um, I'll say, though, where the real. So the beer, the beer, I think, is probably about it might get a little better. But I think these people kind of have the formula for the beer. I, I feel like uh, the work that Athletic Brewing has done, like, I don't want to say they're the pioneers of this show. Oh, they are the but pioneers. They have good, done the good. most work as yeah, far as yeah, like no varieties doubt. of NA beers. And then it was perfected by the mass brewers because the zero zero work that's being done in Europe and the NA work that Molson Coors, and I don't know what the fuck Budweiser is doing, uh, the work that Molson Coors is doing with their zero zero stuff here in the states, fucking lights out. A Boulevard, have you tried uh, Boulevard's? Uh, I have but, stuff. But I have I have been going to so a couple of couple of things. Um, I agree with you. The the the. The take you have on athletic because you can tell that their flavors are very honed in. Mm-hmm. Um, they know what they're doing. Now I don't always like it, yeah. But you can tell it's probably about as good as you can do without having alcohol in certain of those those beers. One hundred percent agree. Um, but in in relation to like variety, it it is becoming a lot easier to find variety but you still do have to look for it. Um, so if you have like a bigger specs in your area or a bigger total wine, um, you're at an advantage because you, you probably have access to a lot more, um, you know, of the NA beer variety. If you don't highly suggest Amazon, you're going to get about three quarters of the stuff that's available. Someone is selling on Amazon because you, you are allowed to ship this. Um, without being 21 or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the one thing. Um, or the other thing. And one last take is, um, I think where the advancement in NA is going to go is for sure the spirits world. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to there's try a lot to be done there. And it's, people are getting very close in the flavor profiles, but they're not there. And it's going to take, you know, it, it's almost going to take a master blender or someone to break it down to a chemical level to like build it back up. Yeah. Well, I mean, which is uh, essentially what they did in zero zero beer. Yeah. So I can see that. I, you know, what's wild. I, um, I can't prove this. <laughs> I have no, no, like, uh, no factual basis for what I'm about to say but I'm going to say it with confidence, which means that on the internet, basically it's gospel. It's pretty much true. I think the work that craft brewers especially did with seltzers in the last five years led us to where we are with non-alcoholic beers and the flavors that we can get out of non-alcoholic beers. Because after, so uh, right before I stopped homebrewing, which I haven't stopped, I guess. I mean, I can start at any point in time, but the last time that I homebrewed, 
I was preparing to make a homebrewed seltzer. And as stupid as that sounds, um, I wanted to do it to see if I could do it. And what I found was essentially like the science has gotten to the point where you can turn water into booze and have like flavorless booze out of water. Mm -hmm. And it's like that is from that point, like to your uh, what you were saying earlier, like at a chemical level, you can make it whatever you want at that point. And like, uh, uh, so like you get the chemical compounds, the chemical foundations to make alcohol, flavorless alcohol in a manageable yeah. content. You're not just dumping vodka into, into water and then carbonating it. Um, you can, you can make it taste however you want and vice yeah. versa. Like if you can make something taste like beer without it actually having beer in it, like you've won, you, you've, you've, you've figured out the, you've unlocked the code. And I think you're right. If we can do that with spirits, I think um, it'd be really cool, man. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I I think it's kind of you know, um, how would I put it? Like the the flavor profiles that you get from bourbon or from rum or whatever are very pleasant. Right. And, you know, not everybody wants those flavor profiles and get drunk. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it should be interesting to see. Well, it is already interesting to see what these people who are trying to break that stuff down have come up with. Some of them very good. Some of them absolutely terrible. Well, you gotta, you Um, you have to take the bad with the good. You just have to. Now the one, the one, the one place in the NA world that seeks the, most can i guess what the most the most to gain because the bar is so fucking low is that what you're yes. gonna say is that wine oh my god yeah dude. it's bad isn't it i oh. mrs brian my god and this was i mean obviously almost eight it's years ago at this point that is a nice way of putting it. it's dog shit mrs brian when she was pregnant was like i, I really want a glass of wine and i was like well they got in a wine sweetie and she's like, buy a bottle. Let's see what we got. And it was, she goes, this is fucking terrible. I was it like, okay. so bad. I was like, it can't it's be so that bad. bad. Let me take a taste. And I'd already had like two tree beers at the time. And I was like, ah, no, nah, I can taste this. This is dog shit. So we tried some, I think it was right after lockdowns. We were, we, mm-hmm. we were trying to dry ourselves out a little bit because we went a little hard in the paint in 2020. And uh, she was like, let's try this non-alcoholic wine stuff. And we tried non-alcoholic wine and non-alcoholic gin i think gin or i don't know it was something that we were mixing with like fruit or fruit juices to have like little mocktails and um both of them were terrible uh (laughs) they were just not good but it was one of those like the the na gin was not good because like they hadn't figured out the balance like gin is one that like i feel like a little bit goes a long way. You don't want people to scrape the enamel off their teeth because the juniper berries are so fucking potent. Like, and that's what I felt like we were at, but the wine was still dog shit. We tried still wine. We tried whites. We tried reds. We tried sparkling rosé. Yeah. I was like, dude, cause I've had Rosa Regale. Okay. For those of you who don't know, it's essentially sparkling grape juice with little it booze is. in it. And like it's pleasant to everybody, like it, it, everybody, it is pleasant to, uh, mainly because it's so fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, this is probably gonna taste like that, right? No, 
no they figured out how to fuck up sparkling grape juice like <laughs> oh my god because you know like yeah I, I think i think the other angle on it right is like once you're if you decide to go explore this world be prepared for some really bad experiences because there are people putting things into the market that don't deserve deserve anybody's money uh, um, 100 especially now like the reason i said you have to take the good and the bad because like in a growing in an emerging market like you never know you might find a sleeping beauty out there and be like this is fucking fire and people need to know about this and you're never going to find it unless you go out and try yeah. however what you're talking about is the dog shit of the dog shit <laughs> Well, and and what I'd also like to recommend folks is like, if you go read reviews, do understand that a significant component or not a significant, I'd say, you know, a larger percent <laughs> reviews also attend AA meetings on a Tuesday. Yeah. So, well, yeah. when they write a review, they're the people who drank vodka clean, <laughs> right? <laughs> They were drinking. So, they were drinking Mad Dog at the gas station at seven in the morning. Jesus, dude, the amount of folks that write on this on this bourbon specifically, right? Like the Spirit Seventy Four. I don't like this, but literal review. Like my summary of it is like flavor pretty close, but it lacks the burn. Well, I mean, there's really only one way to get that, my guy. <laughs> Unless someone I mean, puts in like silica gel powder in there and they're like three and a half stars. Like okay. I'm sorry, bro. You expecting some antifreeze in yeah. there. I don't know. Like, well, what do you want them to create? Like like I, I can okay. So here's here's my dumbass review of like or my dumbass thought of that. Before you read that review, that was gonna be one of my questions. And it wasn't coming from a, sp a spot of like, well, I need the burn. But with spirits like that a good component, like a good portion of the flavor comes from like the super drying effect of, of the alcohol content in a spirit like bourbon. So like when you taste it, is there something in there? Like, I don't know, like a tannic flavor that's added in that gives your mouth that drying effect that is present in the spirit 74 that you're drinking. You know, because and I, I yeah, to, an, to an extent it's cinnamon. So, okay, cool. I asked because like, like I'll, I'm sure that you can mimic a majority of barrel flavors for lack of a better mm -hmm. term, like barrel and grain flavors, um, in a, in a spirit like whiskey, but there's that drying effect that alcohol brings. that's really difficult to mimic and like tannins, you get some tannic, uh, flavorings from like oversteeped tea in the non-alcoholic world like if you leave mm -hmm. a bag of like earl gray in or like squeeze a bag of earl gray as you're you know, any black bitter, tea, yeah. yeah it gets real bitter and that's as close as you get to uh tannic uh flavors and tannic uh tannins often found in like red wine like really dark red wines wines that have a lot of contact with the skin right yep um I mean, even if you're not in the wine world, it's a grape that's got a lot of like, it looks white dusty on, on the skin of the grape and you eat it and it's, it's got that drying Better. effect on your tongue, which is bitterness yep. and it's tannic. Um, yep. so I'm wondering if they couldn't mimic something like that in, uh, like spiritless bourbon, you know, they for sure, they for sure could. I mean, and that's where I think the advancements are going to come, right. Is like mimicking that. And, and, and quite frankly, I, because you know, I've been kind of exploring this world. 
I've read up on a bit of like what the industry is thinking and uh, I'm kind of along the boats, uh, the boat of like, they should stop mimicking and make their own thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so there are in, in, in certain aspects, um, you know, brands that while they still try to present something akin to bourbon or something akin to gin, it's completely different. Right. Um, and, and that's, that should uh, still be okay. And that can still be okay. So I don't know, man, like it's, it's, it's a very interesting, you know, industry. They're developing very rapidly. There's a lot of new things coming out to, to what we said, the beer, um, the beer world is way further ahead than any of the other two. Well, it's also um, with, with wine being, I mean, wine, wine is essentially viewing this happening through a fucking telescope. Yeah. Honestly, there's no reason for it. Like of no. all, all three worlds, beer, wine, and spirits, spirit should be the farthest behind specifically mm-hmm. something that, gets a lot of flavor from age. Like we fucking, you, you can't, you know, like any distiller will tell you, like it's hard to mimic age. And like, that's exactly what you're trying to do with a a spiritless bourbon. Like, and yet wine is still like, like, I just picture some fucking French dude in California with a fucking long cigarette and a mustache going, you stupid Americans don't know what you're doing with your non-alcoholic wine. And like, yeah, Jacques, we don't. Can you help us instead of fucking poo-pooing us? Like, help us. Help us now, get to where well, we need well, to be. So I, I don't think anybody's figured it out because no. I'll, I've had some of the, I'll call it, what I normally do. Please tell me how much money, what's the most amount of money you've dropped on a non-alcoholic wine? 30 bucks. That's so much money on a non-alcoholic wine. Um, And so I'm of the opinion you can't have an opinion unless you've given it a proper chance. 1,000% agree. So I'm not going to sit around and be like, oh, yeah, I had a fucking $12 like shitty NA wine. Doesn't give me the burn. The The industry for NA is way smaller right than it is for alcoholic as such whatever they produce is going to sell for a bit more right if, Just, if, if you want the cost equivalent of two buck chuck in na wine you're probably paying 10 bucks for it minimum like, um yeah. so you got to go in with that reality in mind as well um na is not going to save you money on mm. drinking beer or drinking bourbon or whatever just so everybody's aware, it does not save you money. It costs about the damn same. Yeah, if you're if you're if, if you're going more. if you're going to the NA world to save money, just uh, continue buying Coke and don't buy Jack. Yeah, you'll be. I've I've had the significant benefit of it. Almost alcohol gives me terrible acid reflux, and it got so bad that I couldn't like eat the food that I enjoyed. So I stopped drinking, yeah. and now I'm fine. Um, so it'll take quite a bit for me to go back to consuming alcohol again I, I because will. it just does, it didn't benefit me enough to not like Brian, you know how much I like food. So yeah. not being able to enjoy the foods that I enjoyed <clears throat> a little bit more impactful than not being able to drink a bourbon on a Tuesday night. So, uh, I mean, um, you, I mean, respect and also like uh, two, two things. Uh, one, I wanted to call out like, the reason I bring this up, I bring up the NA talk with you is because I think it's very important that people go into exploring something like aspects of non-alcoholic 
uh, like options with an open mind and a, and a mind uh, like the way you're approaching it of like you can't talk shit about it unless you give it a shot and then when you give it a shot give it like a, a you know a critical review rather than don't yeah. burn good don't like it like that shouldn't be what you're going in for it and that's why I wanted to ask you these questions because I like I, I respect your opinion so if you tell me something's good like if I'm in the mood for an NA product like I'm a fucking reach for what Frank's reaching for and, and give it a shot I think that's important I think it's also important like you said to take a break on things for whatever reason. Like if you notice that you've, you know, your, your behavior has changed and you're not as, as Brian, like, as you were like, take a break, reset and make sure that you're all good. Or in your case, like if your life is changing because you can't fucking enjoy parts of your life in your case, food, preach brother, preach like (laughs) you, you need to do what you need to, to, to reset. Uh, a bit of a life update for me, Frank. Um, you'll enjoy this because this is a bit of a celebration for me. Um, I have been introducing raw and undercooked garlic back into my diet lately. Oh. And I have not had a vomit incident in oh, yeah. three months. So uh, like, I hope that whatever was causing that is now in check. Um, well, hey, so big ups on that because because I'm still not eating pesto. I'm gonna be honest. No pesto, no heavy like. Yeah, don't don't go into pesto. But like, I've been introducing some like undercooked garlic into my like Korean dishes that I make. Okay, just something little into some of like our tacos that we make. Like, I'll throw in some some garlic last minute, just give it a little heat, and then I'm done. And it's okay. like raw garlic. You know, it's fresh garlic. It's not like fucking. Anis free or whatever the Allison free garlic that you get in the package. I'm going full garlic and uh, so far so good y'all so far so good. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, suggest that, you know, you should look at, I don't know what, what pesto are you eating that has a ton of garlic? Uh, it's just fucking like store bought pesto or like pesto oh, that you okay. buy. Yeah, don't don't do that. I mean, even pesto um, that I've had in like, um, it's not Zoe's Kitchen anymore. What's it? Fucking Cava. Yeah, I know what you're talking. You about. know what I'm talking about? The Mediterranean place that yeah. does. Yeah, that yep. shit will make me vom or it used to. So. So let me uh, let me next time you come because I have what I would describe as a bumper crop of basil um, <laughs> I, will, I will make frank is selling proper, pesto it's right it's frank's basil proper pesto for you that does not have garlic pesto does not need to have garlic it already has i um, mean it's pine nuts for that nutty nutty it, kind of it's a common in pesto it's the combination of any i mean it honestly any raw garlic used to make me throw up yeah. immediately so any no, of that but like yeah. also uh high density all high dense high concentrated olive oil or highly concentrated okay. olive oil will do it too um okay. but like that's slowly going by the wayside because i've been like i said i've been reintroducing it slowly but surely testing it out okay. testing the waters making sure the rest of my diet is is solid taking my yeah, uh yeah. prescription strength uh anti-acid uh pills every morning <laughs> 30 minutes before breakfast. So it's good. It's good. Everything's fine, Frank. Everything's fine. Um, so, um, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I haven't even said, I'm having the spirit 74 with some Diet Coke tonight. It's quite, quite the delectable experience. Dude, I, uh, I kind of want to go try that. I saw it's, uh, I think it's available at Total Wine. At least that's what I saw from the website. It is. Yeah. In Texas, it should be everywhere. 
Um, I would suggest check Oklahoma. You probably will get it. I don't know that it gets much further at the moment because they're they're still well, quite small. Oklahoma is afraid that people are going to get drink and drive in the parking lots of places. So <laughs> I'd, I'd highly recommend Amazon if okay. you don't see it in your local liquor store. They do sell it on Amazon. I think a two pack runs you. I think it's seventy something dollars. Yeah, I was going to say. I understand is high, but that that's the reality. I was going to say their website. Any of the good stuff you want to taste in this world is not. It's not prohibitively expensive, mind you. There's no hundred dollar NA spirit. No, but no. Yeah, anything God. that's good is going to run you about thirty to forty bucks. I mean, and that's any good spirit too is going to run you not too far from that. So yeah. And like, again, you said it, like if you're going, if you're going non-alcoholic for, to, for cost saving purposes, probably need to be attending meetings because you're not like, that's where you're, that's not, you're not going to, it's like, (laughs) if I could have somebody to go back, if I could go back in time and talk to myself, I would go back to 2012, 2013, Brian. And I would find Brian and, and our buddy Derek talking in Derek's apartment about like, nah, I'm pretty sure if we brewed our own beer, it would save us money. And I'd be like, hey, stupids, real quick, y'all are about to invest way more money in brewing your own beer. Did you want to just buy your own beer forever? Sure, you might make some really good beer right now, um, but don't go into this whole hobby or uh, lifestyle for both of you because... At that point, Derek and I were doing vastly different things in 2012. Uh, <laughs> Ten years ago, I was working at Staples, and Derek was working as like a fire protection safety Conoco, manager. Think, yeah. he, you know, he was working at the same place that our buddy uh, Andy was working. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but like fire protection, and now he's a goddamn doctor now. He's Dr. Derek yep. uh, of distillation sciences or whatever his actual degree is in. And uh, I've been working for a beer distributor for over a decade at this point. And, <laughs> and you've saved more money through I, the job. I have saved way more money through the job. And, uh, I mean, here's the deal. In the early days, I will say, we both brewed beer that was really, really good. You did. And you did. brewed beer hey, that, that we... Ace- Ace of Spades beer that you had was fucking ridiculously good, even though it was overcarbonated. Oh, you're talking about uh, it wasn't Ace of Spades. It was uh, uh, tripping at the know. gates of ale. Um, it was two, a- two two of them exploded on my birthday, but yes. it was very good. Yes, you're welcome. Congratulations. Uh, you were the you were the winner that day. Um, it had a fucking ego tripping at the gates of ale. That's what it there was. And it's fucking <laughs> sick. This sick ass label design by yours truly too. Anyway, uh, no, I mean life changing, yes. Uh, money saving, absolutely not. TLDR there, uh, you know. And I feel like that's the type of advice you can't get anywhere else other than no beer left behind. Where you come and talk yep. to Uncle Frank and Uncle Brian, and we'll sit you down, sit you straight, and be like, "Hey, listen, listen, my dude, if you're going to the NA world to save money." This ain't it. Do this ain't Don't it do because it. you're going to get rot gut. Your fucking your blood sugar is going to be through the roof if you're drinking NA wine. And uh, if you're drinking NA beer, you're going to be bloated as fuck if you're NA drinking the same amount. So bad. NA wine is so bad. It's it's offensively bad, dude. I don't It is. And uh, for 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 what they charge, it's it's just Oh my god! I, your so your ten dollar two buck chuck comparison. I I don't want to 
throw you it's that there's no way you're gonna find a two buck chuck comparison for ten dollars you're looking at no. like 17 and it's still two buck chuck territory yeah it's so bad it's i don't know it's, it's it's highway robbery and it's not worth it it's uh, even the 30 dollar bottle so yesterday i made uh this little kind of like i don't know it was like a sashimi plate with some um Ooh. uh how would I, how would I even describe it? It was like know. deconstructed sushi slash charcuterie. I don't know. I, I couldn't really tell what you showed in the picture, so, but it yeah, looked it looked finger it licking good. We can decide what it what it what it should be called. But essentially, I made like three different side salads. One was just cut up avocados. The other one was mandarin oranges with serrano peppers and a little bit of ponzu in it and pepper. Delicious. Sounds you know interesting. It. It fucking worked perfectly. Then the and then I put that on top of uh, freshly sliced Asian pears. Oh my god! I'm just now looking at the large photo. I thought that <laughs> your fucking middle plate. Swear to God, I thought it was fucking salami and goddamn uh, <laughs> like other cured meats. It's clearly no. not. It's clearly not. <laughs> so that was the one salad. The other one, like I said, was just avocado. Then I made kind of this like basil um vinaigrette type thing uh that i put on top of mangoes and it was basil olive oil lime juice um i could put a little rice vinegar in it i can't I was even gonna remember, say, it looks to like honest. it's a, a full-on like dressing or like a yeah it's it's but it's predominantly basil so yeah. i i did that i was gonna say it's oh, also the, the, bright fucking green so <laughs> yes the mandarin orange uh thing had some mint in it as well then I had uh, what they call Texas Wagyu, which is good. Um, Dude, I, they didn't have real Wagyu, Wagyu sirloin. Wagyu um, is fucking delicious. I don't give a shit. I made Wagyu so, hamburgers the other day, and it was fucking amazing. So I took the strip, and I just seared it. It was cooked rare, and then I got it really nice and cold, cut it up, and made like a little, uh, I guess you could call it a crudo. Um, <clears throat> out of that thin slices um, and then on the other side sushi grade tuna and that's what we had for lunch ah, it looked fucking amazing so highly recommend it was very very good yeah apparently um, if you're going to do that don't show that to Brian and expect him to think that it's not uh, fucking cured meat because he's looking at it on a goddamn two inch phone screen yeah I no. see that on my computer it's clearly seared meat and fucking tuna <laughs> So I, was... I decided I decided to purchase a and to be honest, I don't know, they need to relabel it, but it was called a a so, so I, I don't know if it's Shirley or Surly, but they're an NA brand out of California. And you'll see them on Instagram, they advertise everywhere. And they had this bottle of what they call brute. Now, let me tell you something. Oh, are you talking about non-alcoholic wine for wine lovers? <laughs> it's not a brute. I don't know <laughs> what the hell or who the hell decided. Brute was short for brutal. That. Oh, man. Corbell is a better brute than what this is. <laughs> Andre would have substituted quite nicely. Ooh, classy. Um, a terrible thirty dollars, but fucking awful. Uh, so yeah, don't don't just skip the wines altogether. They're not worth your time or money. 
Yeah, it's Shirley, it looks like, and it is it doesn't look great. Gotta be honest. Um fuck that. They serve their wine in cans, Frank. Did you know that? They well, so that was one of my things. I walked up to the display and I was like, Oh, they got cans. That's normally not a good sign. <laughs> well, lesson learned. <laughs> listen, anyway. to your, listen to your gut. It's, it was it yeah, was it was steering true, you straight true. there. Yeah. That that does not yeah, that rule spans the Ugh. ABV percentage <laughs> from zero to a hundred. Um, well, I am, uh, I'm sipping on a, on a, on a bottled cocktail this evening, uh, following up my Blanton's. Um, usually, uh, speaking of like trusting your gut, typically I trust my gut and I don't buy bottled, bottled, uh, cocktails because I've never right. had a lot of good luck with them. They've always been kind of bad, very sweet. However, always very sweet. However, this okay. one took a chance on because it was being sold at the Buffalo Trace Distillery. It is a barrel-aged old-fashioned. I've seen those around. Yeah, good. Fucking phenomenal. So this okay. one is made with Buffalo Trace bourbon, um, Peychaud's bitters, and uh, aged in bourbon barrels, used bourbon barrels. Um, fucking phenomenal. It is also some one of those that I probably should have looked at the old price tag on before I threw it in the basket because <laughs> this bad boy was $42. <laughs> Ooh. Which I was like, God damn, well, that's so, expensive. So, so but wait just a second. Do see if you see if your mind worked the same way mine did. Go ahead. Barrel aged cocktail at any self respecting cocktail establishment is going to run you seventeen to twenty bucks a pop. Exactly what I said. And and I am not. I don't know about you. I'm not a master bartender. In no way, in no way shape, or form <laughs> am I holding a fucking cask on my countertop <laughs> like a goddamn. Now it does, say, it does say it does say fashion aging. <laughs> in it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no it does not say how long it aged in the barrel, so it yeah, could have touched twenty dollars. Seems reasonable to not even have to explain <laughs> to folks. <laughs> I like old fashioned so much. I put a, a an entire barrel, barrel on my. My kitchen gallon. Well, I had to buy a gallon of bitters to fucking put yeah. in this thing, and it was. It was... I'm, I'm sorry. What? What is that? Oh, that's my old fashioned aging cocktail kit. <laughs> no, okay. no, uh, I know that's where was... the kids' bed used to be, but it's more climate controlled in here, and the barrel doesn't leak as much when it's in here. Uh, yeah, no, the barrel set me back about eight hundred dollars, but you know, cost yeah. of doing business. And well, not just that. I'm going to be saving money in the long run. I'm you know saving. what they charge for a barrel aged. <laughs> Yeah, I'm make I'm making money right now. <laughs> no, the fact that we're even talking about this means it's already a conversation starter. Yeah, no. So also, it should be noted that most barrel or most cocktails, and when I say barrel aged, just throw out the fact that it's barrel aged because it is. It could have been run through wood, like on the packaging line, and it's like barrel aged. Uh, but most packaged cocktails. Do you know what the ABV is, or what's the like average ABV of packaged cocktails that you've had? So what I've seen, I've to your point, I've never really bought them because they're normally when I've had samples way too sweet, super sweet, and um, like twenty five percent alcohol, or seventeen something like that. to yeah. twenty percent. Yeah, this is this is forty two percent alcohol by volume. It's eighty four proof. It is a fucking it's that an old fashioned. It's a, that's a true old fashioned. It's an old yeah. fashioned in a bottle, and it is. And I looked at it like, okay, if I go to even a shitty bar in Dallas, Fort yeah. Worth. I'm paying ten bucks for an old fashioned. Yeah, no doubt. And it's like, all liquor. Yeah, and so like four 
If I have more than four, I've got my money's worth. Right now, I'm at like six because I don't do heavy pours and I like the, I like it over ice and I like the ice melt and give myself a nice little water balance. And it's fucking Yeah, but great. it's not even... I mean, at 750 mil, there's... I think it's 12 to 14 shots in yeah. that given bottle. So yeah, each, each old-fashioned is only supposed to be a shot and a half. So you're already talking about eight cocktails in one bottle that's cute right so your old fashions are a shot and a half you and the bartender shot old fashions are a shot and a half this guy no, but if, even even if it's two yeah you're just four out or five ounces no, yeah even yeah, if it's like two that. shots you're still at six cocktails so yeah you're yeah. at six times 10 plus tips so call it 12 or 11 yep you know you're saving 20 bucks and again i know how good this tastes sometimes when you go and it's because it's also good luck buying a buffalo trace old fashioned for 10 bucks good well, fucking that's luck that's the other yeah that's you know, the it's other not side happening. Of that um i did get to see on my frankfurt trip or my trip to louisville i guess cuz this happened I was in louisville say, yeah, this <laughs> lest we think he took the direct to frankfurt from the <laughs> fw <laughs> <laughs> you took a trip to Germany and back in 12 hours. All right. <laughs> I told my boss I was going to Frankfurt. She goes, What the fuck are you going to Germany? It was like, Kentucky. I'm going to fucking Kentucky. Yeah. So, okay. So, but that's the problem, right? Is like Buffalo Trace, if, 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 you know, Buffalo Trace, Wild Turkey, any of these places actually, like, you know, before bourbon was a thing right those people probably just said oh we're out of louisville kentucky or we're out of lexington yeah. there's no way fucking was like frankford, frankford bardstown kentucky. bardstown <laughs> kentucky get the fuck out of here there's one i can't remember i think it's bullet bourbon the town yes. that the, the town that they have listed on the label for bullet bourbon the town doesn't exist it's oh not God. a real town the town well, bullet isn't even a real uh, brand it, well, it is in the sense that the distillery that makes the liquid that goes into bullet bourbon only makes the spirit that goes into bullet bourbon they don't yes. make spirit for but other it's, but it's a marketing brand it's a marketing bullet. brand yeah yeah um, Sorry, that's what i meant it's not it's not it doesn't have like they're not you know, sourcing bourbon like um like some startup distilleries or exactly. like some like uh boutique distillery boutique brands they'll source their bourbon from mgp in indiana which you can make really fucking good bourbon. Of course you can. Because it's, it's uh, yeah, like there's a really large fucking nationwide boutique brand that's Schmeischmest bourbon. High West bourbon is not made anywhere on the fucking. No, High West is great. Yeah, High West is phenomenal, and it's all MGP sourced bur- uh, sourced liquid. It's fucking great, yeah, so, though. So, 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 I mean, goddamn, High West Double Rye is fucking amazing. It is so, so good. fucking good. <laughs> so, but which one was the one that I had? That Midsummer or Midsummer Mid- Night's Dream or Mid oh. or Midwinter's Dream, oh. Midwinter's Dream. Uh, that is a perfect example. They the the way High West does all of their spirits is that thing was so good. Is the way to bring it all back around is the way that the Van Winkle family does. Uh, Van Winkles just do it through the Buffalo Trace Distillery. And okay. High West does it through MGP out of Indiana, okay. which they just go through and hand select barrels. They pay a premium to select those barrels, and then they blend it all together, sell it as their packaged product under their label, and that's why 
Some of their brands are really fucking expensive, but all of their liquid is fucking choice. It is so good. Yeah. So I'll I'll give I'll give props to High West. They're good, but it's you know okay. So this 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 trend that things need to be DOP'd and what is double domain, penetration? No, domain origin protected. First, I'm um, hearing of that, my dude. That is, thank you for bringing that into my life now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so um, <clears throat> it, it essentially means that you can't call bourbon bourbon unless it's been produced in Bourbon County. Oh, so it's like a, call, a, another word for an appellation. An app, uh, an app, yes, appellation. That's just a, so. This is like international trade standard. Okay, is DOP protection, um, and the the unfortunate thing is is DOP protection matters when the the origin or the region has an impact yeah when the region doesn't have an impact on the end product it should not be able to be dop protected but they get these certifications anyways right so i know bourbon county has been waiting for their dop protection for quite some time i don't know if they've been granted it but if you've if you've had high west you can tell it's complete bullshit. <laughs> there, like, is, there is no reason to give them DOP protection. Well, what, what's wild is, so, yeah, um, people will argue, especially Kentucky bourbon makers will argue that, like, you can tell Kentucky bourbon's made in Kentucky versus made in Indiana, made in Texas, made in Kansas. Get out of here. Sure, I guess. I don't fucking know, but it doesn't make it any better or worse. No. Like, it's fucking just different, I guess. But at the same time, like, they are also, they're like, I don't think that'll ever happen. Like the, the protection that you're talking about will ever happen mainly because they themselves will tell you that bourbon stored on the West side of the Rick house and the bourbon stored on the East side of the Rick house tastes different. So mm -hmm. what the fuck are you telling me that if it's made a state over that it's going to be any different, it's made 30 feet over and it's different. So what are we doing here? So it's called, sorry, I had the, the acronym I was very close on. It's, it's, uh, DDP, it's Diamond Dallas. No, page it's designation protected. of origin protection. So dupe. Yeah. So the dupe. You designate that region as the region for the stuff to exist. Well, like I get it for like uh, grape growing regions, where like the land can dictate the flavors in the end product. Like that, I could see how that might make a difference. But um, yes, so so it's it's for sure the case in. Like say Marzano tomatoes, or um, if you're making Iberico ham, right? Those those pigs come from that region in Spain. In that region in Spain, buffalo mozzarella. They, let me just tell you, buffalo. Yeah. So so, I don't know if that's DOP protected, but <laughs> I don't know either. Um, but we're just naming parts of fucking of rooibos, uh, pizza. <laughs> rooibos tea. Right, has yeah. DOP designation in in the EU for having to be from South Africa. So, um, it's like an important part of uh, protecting quality production of products, and to protect, you know, the region's kind of, I mean, ability to produce that level of quality. But it bourbon is not it, man. Like, I'm sure it goes back just, farther than this, but that's the that's how the Reinheitsgebot came about. Like okay. the German beer quality standards uh, were set in place to ensure that one uh, that only one 
manufacturer of wheat uh, could be <laughs> Leo's being an asshole. Sorry, it sounds like <laughs> no uh, one manufacturer of wheat crops uh, could be designated for uh, beer making. And so the rest of the wheat crops could go to bread making. And also so uh, that uh, the Royal family could control that as well as other beer making that goes on in the German uh, they States. They didn't want to control the bread production. Just the uh, I'm sure they did produ- control the bread production, but you know, yeast gets out of hand and uh, you know, fucking always rising. You know how that goes. Um, but no, I mean, that's, that was the start of the Ryan Heights boat was controlling qu- quality of product, but also controlling the demand for the product uh, that is that was in high demand at the time. Um, But yeah, uh, anytime that product that's being produced is controlled by heat, I think we, I, if I were, if that were to come across my desk as a, uh, as a person who is given the old stamp of approval, I'd be like, Hey, real quick, unless we are going to control climate um, for all of that region, uh, super conservative people. Uh, we're going to need you to acknowledge that climate change is real and we need to keep climate change from happening. So we're going to need all these other products to all these other procedures to go into place so that this is a, now a protected region. Do yep. you want to keep doing that? Mid didn't think so. Assholes. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking. Yep. A. Yep. All, all right. right. Well, um, I, I, I right just, here. I just want to say sure. that I um, bummed that uh, Villem was all tuckered out. Um, he didn't get his uh, his wiggles out at the end of the day and couldn't get himself to go to bed on time. Yeah. Um, very sorry. It, hap- it happens. It happens you know, to the best that, of us. Yeah. 35-year-old. That you know, or thirty-four. I was gonna say Villain's on thirty-five, is he? More, Jesus, it becomes more common. Um, but to take it all back around, this is Ren Fair Week here on No Bear Left Behind. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Rough Riders anthem being played on fifes and shit. Um, Frank, it's been fun chatting with you this evening. Uh, technical difficulties aside, at the beginning, uh, it's been a, been a blast. It's been good talking to you, and uh, ladies and gentlemen at home, hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, for Brian here in North Texas until next time in which we speak I'm out yep thank you Brian had a good time Um, thanks everybody for listening Uh, I don't have a witty dad joke tonight I was too busy doodling this was my product Brian this is my doodle for the evening classic is that your new uh, is that your new fit Frank is that you're gonna it's not I was testing out a felt tip a hieroglyph, I guess, pen. That's not a calligraphy. Hieroglyph, sorry, calligraphy. Oh my god, and, hieroglyph um, pen. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I have heard an adult say to me. Jesus Christ! You have actually a chisel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking, no, this quill. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I I do have a bit of a confession to make. Um, as such, speaking of quills, your boy. <laughs> has been watching Bridgerton. Oh my god, damn it. My god, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) I hate shows like that, but god damn it. I want to point out that you remember a couple months ago when Villain was like, I'm watching Downton Abbey. I texted him. I was like, dude, this show is so good. And then I started texting him about characters on fucking Bridgerton. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, this is a different show. So no, I agree. Bridgerton um, is really good. <laughs> what drew me in was Queen Charlotte, which is superior. But Bridgerton is good. And uh, I am ashamed to admit it because I don't get into shows like that at all. Like, 
Brian can attest to the fact that Frank making it through more than one season of a fictional world high that drama has been established. Is not Frank's not Frank's game. <laughs> not my bit. Well, once this you... has enough, this is enough ludicrous humor in it that it it brings you along. Like the fact that Penelope doesn't seem to own anything that's not yellow. It shit like that. Karan's okay. being enough to be like, when is she not wearing yellow? And I'll sit through an episode waiting for her to not wear yellow. Spoiler alert, the costume director doesn't let that happen. There's a couple of moments, though. Okay. And you know they're important when she does. Also, shut the fuck up. God damn it. <laughs> okay. Also, just every time someone says Penelope, say Penelope in your head. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, they really ruined it by uh, the reveal at the end of season one. They should have drawn, drawn it out longer. Yeah, they couldn't. They really couldn't. It was it honest. was enough. It was enough. Yeah. Well. <laughs> in any case, <laughs> he's like he's like agree to disagree. But anyway, uh man, yeah. Maybe next time we'll talk some AI because that world seems to be very much into the fear mongering as of late. So. Uh yeah, I'll um maybe maybe send me some pictures Frank and I will uh throw it through uh Photoshop's AI um content okay. generator and uh we'll see we'll see what Adobe has in store for us. It'll be yeah. good. Let's do it. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Here.